when they got it back to one each with the 75th minute equaliser, I then wondered if they would go back and just, you know, settle for the draw. But it was good to see that they, they did keep their aggressive mindset and attacking mindset and they, they went on to try and win the game, which ultimately they did. Um, so it doesn't happen too often, but sometimes when coaches take chances, it works. And yesterday was the perfect example of that. So so credit to coach Moriasu. Good job. Welcome back. You're listening to The Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Here at Japan Forward, we bring to our audience issues that are of real importance in and about Japan from the perspective and context of people inside of Japan, as expressed or captured by them who truly understand the nuances of culture, issues, and current events. In today's session, we're joined again by Colin Morrison, who breaks down some key moments in the Japan-Germany FIFA World Cup Group E opener. Let's listen in. Thank you to our listeners and followers for joining us again for our Twitter space. We've been on a hiatus for about a month or so, but finally good to be back and up. Every time we have this Twitter space, we're seeing more people join us for this live conversation and appreciate it very much. Before we get started, let us introduce ourselves. For anybody unfamiliar with us, we started Japan Forward in 2017 with the goal to reach global audiences by sharing stories, opinions, and editorial content from Japan. Our mission, shared by our supporters and followers, is to raise awareness of the Japanese spirit, culture, and tradition. My name is Galileo, and I've been working with Japan Forward since about 2017, initially writing some articles on Japanese pop culture, tech, and some travel pieces here and there. But now I've been focusing more on social media and marketing, and also running this Twitter space when we have it. And today our guest is Colin Morrison. Hi, Colin. Thanks for coming on the show. How about a few words from you? Yes. Hi, Galileo. Thanks for inviting me on. My name is Colin Morrison. I'm a freelance writer from Scotland. I focus on sports, typically writing about boxing and um, what we call football. And some people in other parts of the world refer to as soccer, either term is good with me, it's interchangeable. Um, I started covering uh, sports with the Japan Forward Sports Department at Sportslook earlier on this year. I'm happy to be on board and I'm happy to once again be joining you on the Twitter space. Yes, thank you for, yeah, thanks for <laughs> joining us and again sharing your wisdom. <laughs> uh, I wrote a little bit of introduction for you from our last time, so I can just quickly read it out. And uh, our guest is Colin Morrison, a veteran boxing and boxing and football sports writer, covering the sports for several years and a fan, and is a fan for even longer. Colin contributes to nyfights.com and spitballingpod.com and also sports look with us in Japan Ford and covering major events, top fights and matches in both professions. Um, so feel free to check out his um, coverage on this website I mentioned and follow him on Twitter. Again, thank you, Colin, and welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about the match that happened yesterday, Group E, Japan, Germany, their opening matches. Sure. I think my first question would be is that um, knowing that Germany, I think, is a four-time uh, FIFA World Cup, Cup 
champion. You know, they're European champions links three times in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and then they've come across, they're going to play against Japan. They've had quite some success in recent World Cups um, and getting to the group stages. But what, what was your, I guess, initial impression? Did you think it was going to be a competitive match from the get-go? Yes, I thought it was going to be uh, a competitive match, um, a difficult game for both teams um, as opening fixtures and tournaments often are. Teams aren't quite into their stride. They haven't gotten used to the conditions in the country that is hosting the tournament. This time, possibly even more so than any other tournament I can remember before because for many of the European teams, their leagues just finished last weekend and then it was a bit of a rush for the national team players to get together and then for the, the squads to all arrive into Qatar. So I did think there would be several upsets in the opening round of group fixtures. I was just unable to pinpoint which games would contain the upsets. Um, and saying that, um, I thought that Japan did have a chance to get off to a good start having Germany, who had a very poor World Cup in 2018. Um, Although I did think that perhaps the best chance for Japan would have been to pick up a draw yesterday and then try and beat Costa Rica to to present themselves with an opportunity to get to the last 16 in the final game against Spain. As we know, Japan got the win yesterday. They got three points and they now have a fantastic chance to get to the last 16. Yeah, I was like, I would, to be honest, I was also surprised that Japan would do, would come back from being one down mm-hmm. um, in the first half. And I think a similar sentiment to you, I think a draw would be good or just to minimize the, the loss to be a 1 0 loss and try to, you know, win convincingly against Costa Rica and put up another good like fight against Spain. Um, but lo and behold, it was like a comeback win. Um, and lots of media have picked up on it, is that the second half, um, the Japanese side fielded um, a new formation and they subbed out uh, most of their players. What did you think about that move by coach uh, Moriyasu? Um, that move by coach Moriyasu really impressed me. Um, to be honest, that's so far in the World Cup, that's the best coaching that I've seen in the first half he, he was playing 4-4-2 and they were only 1-0 down um, they were playing reasonably well but they weren't really causing Germany too many problems so he, he decided very early in the second half to go more aggressive um, it looked to me that he was made a concerted effort to have three players up front that resulted in him you know going three at the back um, and playing four in the middle and the wing-backs were able to, to stay wide and stay on the front foot. So that gave Japan a much better foothold into the game. Um, when they got it back to one each with the 75th minute equaliser, I then wondered if they would go back and just you know settle for the draw. But it was good to see that they, they did keep their aggressive mindset and attacking mindset and they, they went on to try and win the game, which ultimately they did. Um, so it doesn't happen too often, but sometimes when coaches take chances, 
it works. And yesterday was the perfect example of that. So so credit to coach Moriasu. Good job. Did you think that the new formation um, and also subbing out some relatively like veteran or like solid players from the Japan side in the second half, was that risky in your assessment? I think the main element of risk was, you know, going going very aggressive, attacking so early in the second half because if Germany had made it 2-0, then it's probably game over. Um, rather than the, the personnel changes, which I think the way that Japan play with such high energy, the players probably know at the beginning of the game that certain ones are going to be substituted for fresh legs and then they can maintain the high energy approach, which is a sort of characteristic of the Japanese national team's play. So I think that the, the players who came in, though that you know they did themselves no harm in terms of possibly starting in the next game. Um Asano who scored the winning goal, he was outstanding um when he joined the game after I think it was just before the hour mark. He, you know, he really um made a name for himself yesterday. And also um with Doan getting the, the equalizing goal and Minamino and Matoma's combination play to set up Duan for the 75th minute goal then um, those three substitutes um, very effective I was yeah I was surprised about the I think the second goal I was I was I guess I, I was a bit pessimistic it was like well that's a long that was a long pass yeah. it's overhead um Pretty downfield, um, and I thought this is easily going to be, um, you know, an offside, of yeah, offside trap. Yes, but it was, and it and it and it worked. And it, um, I think the ti- the the timing of the pass was perfect. I think the catch was was great, and you can see that the defender, um, towards the middle of the pitch. Um, was hesitating whether to approach um, Asano or not, but by the by the time that Asano was close to the goal, um, even by then it was a, a difficult angle, and I was like, no way, no way, and he, he scored the goal. That was amazing. Yes, um, I'm sort of currently working on my match day one article, which is going to be on spitballing pod, just the sort of review of. Um, the first 16 games of this World Cup. I'll be putting that out later on tonight once the, the remainder of the games are finished today. Um, and one of the aspects of the article is um, I've got a friend in Germany, so I've, I've been in contact with her to ask what the German media have been saying about what happened towards the end of that game yesterday and they're very, very critical of the German defence because I think it was the fullback who got lazy and played Asano onside. So he was clearly onside. And then the communication breakdown between the players, the fullback and the central defender, who then tried to go across and deal with it. And he just wasn't quick enough. And Asano was able to to get there and, and score a very good goal from a from a tight angle. And the Germany goalkeeper was also receiving some criticism, I heard. But rather than criticise the goalkeeper, I, I would praise the finish because that what he did and the way he scored that wasn't easy and he you know he made it he made it look easy so fair play to Asano yeah it was a it was a good shot and again I think yeah 
there might be some like people can criticize the defense, but yeah, the finish is what it was, and and that was, you know, they're coming from one o, or you know, essentially they're coming from zero like zero one, and to to score the leading like to, to, to score and get the lead, I think that was such a moment for Asano and like Samurai Blue. Yeah, definitely, and um, didn't mention this in the, the first answer on this goal, but the the way he controlled the ball from the from the long pass from the free kick was absolutely exceptional. You know, that's very um, high level of technical skill. So that was impressive to see, and the fact that he then was able to take the ball further into the box, albeit at the tight angle, and and get the ball into the the roof of the net. It was a brilliant goal. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's been one of been the top goals already in the first four days, five days. Yeah. But then again, we have Spain who scored like they've netted seven goals. So and some of them are really good, great, great, great shots as well. They were, yes. Um, okay, so I think the beginning of the match we saw that um, we saw that Japan had a chance early on. Um, to to take the lead or to open the scoring, um, and then I think it was an offside. It was called an offside. What did you think of Japan's playing style in the early in the early stage of the game, and also as you mentioned before, Germany's like defense style. Sure. Um, early on in the game, you could tell that the Japan were using the the press and midfield. So they were trying to give the Germany players as, as little time on the ball as possible. They were intercepting passes. They were making tackles and then launching quick counterattacks um, like the one that led to the the ball being put into the net by Dyson Maida, although he, he did run too early. So he, he was correctly judged to be offside if he just held his run. Because he was, you know, in a bit of space off the back of the defender, he could have held his run, still got on the end of that ball and scored a legitimate goal. So I felt like Japan had signalled their game plan and their intent in those early stages, and they let Germany know it certainly wasn't going to be an easy game. They also did well when they fell one 0 down. The goalkeeper made a few good saves, which you always need when you're playing against the big nations. And they just they just hung in the game. They they fought so that they didn't concede the second goal, which is always crucial. And when as long as it was only one 0 they still have a chance. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool that you pointed it out. That um, so yeah, despite Japan having a chance early on in the match, it seemed like for the rest of the first half, Germany had some good opportunities to really open the scoring and or even to to put in more goals than. Um, like the zero, the, the one zero yeah. um, was indicating. Um, they had lots of chances. Um, they had most of most of the possession was by by Germany. Um, why, why, what, what was going on? Why do you think that um, they couldn't put any goals together? They couldn't convert any of their possessions. Was it a mixture of Japan Japan's defense, or was it just you know? Are they feeling pressure? Well, what 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 do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, these these players are all top top players playing for the, the very best clubs within 
Germany and, and other European leagues. So they're used to playing under pressure. But I think I think the pressure of wearing the national jersey does weigh slightly heavier, and not just for Germany, for, for many teams. And because they performed so poorly in the World Cup in 2018, and by their standards, they also had a poor European Championships, which were played last summer. So they're coming off the back of two bad performances tournament-wise. So I think this time around, they, they are really feeling that they need to make at least the quarterfinals or the semifinals to keep the, the fans in Germany happy. Um, perhaps that pressure got to them a bit. They did have a lack of composure in the final third. I thought a lot of their football up until the final ball was very good, but then, you know, possibly the last pass wasn't the best. And then you can couple that with some good last-ditch defending from Japan. There always seemed to be a blue jersey there for making a block or a tackle. And then when needed, the the goalkeeper, um, Gonda, played extremely well for Japan yesterday, I thought. Although he did make one mistake when he conceded the penalty kick, but apart from that, he had a, he had a solid game. Yeah, some really big saves in the first half. Yes. I think just to make up for the for the mistake of tripping <laughs> tripping and falling on on the German player. Um but yeah, I, I think I think it was a valiant effort on the defensive side. And what I noticed early on in the first half, and I think they con- they continued it over in the second half, was that they were they were doing a lot of long passes. Um, I think some people on Twitter um, were saying that was this this was part of the tactics to get um, to get them running and to tire out the German players. Um, then it was quite more it was more evident in the second half as that the long balls were, you know, the, the percentage rate was better, and then yeah, it turned into two goals. Maybe I think Ed's on the call. Ed. Do you have any comments or questions? Hi, guys. Uh, I've been listening a bit and uh, joining. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to join officially on the top of the hour, so I thought I'd just um, press the listen button if I was ready to go. Um, Been preparing the sumo coverage tonight and getting that published. Um, So, yeah, uh, looking back at the match last night, um, I think what a couple things that stood out uh, first and foremost was the psychological um, collective psyche of the Japanese team, where this is the seventh consecutive World Cup. So the players and the management, they feel that this is their, you know, this is where they should be. This isn't a surprise or a shock to qualify. This is what is expected of them. So there is a collective uh, feeling of, you know, we're not the minnows, so to speak. We're, we're you know, we're part of the world's um we're part of the structure. We're part of the tradition of soccer in the 21st century. So I think that sort of plays out into how they play and to how they handle adversity. Um, and the fact that most of the players on Japan of the 26 on the national team right now, I want to say it was 21. I'm forgetting the exact number 20 or 21 are playing, you know, overseas in, in Europe, eight of the guys are playing in Germany. So there's a comfort level or a familiarity with European soccer, the style of play, a lot of the players, it isn't completely, you know, like walking out into a brand new place. There's a, under, there's a level of understanding of what they're up against. Absolutely. 
yeah, I, I agree with that, Ed. It's a conundrum. <laughs> and, and one other thing that I, I read on the DW website, German sports coverage, was under Flick, under his management uh, era, he's used 17 different defensive units, different combinations of guys in 17 games. 12 different units in 17 games. So finding the right mix of players for him defensively seems to really be a work in progress. Yeah, you could tell you could tell that yesterday at certain points in the game. He's, he's definitely not settled on his um, defensive partnerships or his, his back four as um, he played four at the back. So, um, yeah, he's got work to do. So, so maybe we can turn the... Uh the conversation now to what's up what's next for japan um costa rica um uh, can you give us a preview of that matchup colin or ed maybe we start with colin sure well having seen japan play yesterday i quickly followed by watching costa rica um i would suggest that japan should go all out and take the three points from costa rica that way they would be on six points and virtually qualified for the last 16. It's a fantastic opportunity for them. Costa Rica looked vastly inferior to Spain yesterday. Unlike Japan, who put Germany under pressure, Costa Rica sat off Spain and tried to keep them at arm's length, but generally against world-class players, that doesn't work, and they got heavily punished for it. So they're going to be going into that game possibly lacking in confidence. So it's a fantastic opportunity for Japan to take advantage of that. If Japan play their normal game, keep them under pressure, fast style of football, keep three people up front, I think Japan Japan could win that game by a couple of goals. I think, uh, I think personally that Costa Rica is going to view it as a must-win game. So they might take some risks they might not have taken in a so-called normal game or a regular game after losing seven nil, you know, there's pressure to sort of bounce back and Japan might be on a little bit of a psychological high. So there's a risk for both teams. You know, of course, Costa Rica can't lose, can't, can't lose if it wants to qualify for the next round and Japan, um, you know, can't play too sloppy either. So both managers have their work cut out for them to keep their players focused. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a good point about um, Costa Rica targeting the Japan game for three points. And I guess when the draw was made, Japan would have targeted Costa Rica to take three points from them as well. Because when teams like Japan and Costa Rica get drawn in beside two European heavyweights, they've got to look for creative ways to, to think about getting out of the group. I'll just add in as well about Costa Rica. I watched them in the intercontinental playoff, which was against New Zealand, and it was played in June. And they were very, very poor in that game. They scored in the second minute to go 1-0 up. And the rest of the game, they relied on Navas and goal, who, who basically saved them. New Zealand, on the balance of play in that game, actually deserved to win that game. They didn't on that night, but this Costa Rica squad, they look old. Not sure how many of them are, are playing regular minutes for their teams. The goalkeeper Navas, who I mentioned, he's definitely not playing regular minutes in Paris Saint-Germain. He's also had injury issues and he looked way below his best yesterday. Although it's 
he wasn't directly responsible for any of the goals that went past him, but he just wasn't the same assured presence that he normally is. So I think the, at this moment in time, Japan should be considered favourites to beat Costa Rica on, I think it's on Sunday that that match is getting played. And I, I would certainly be expecting them to, to do that. Yeah, I think the best case scenario for Japan is to win and not concede any goals. And I think what would be interesting is if Spain and Germany um, have a draw, <laughs> if none of those teams win, I think that would be a good way for Japan to to be on top of the group. Yeah. And, yeah, that, and it would probably reduce some pressure that, coming up against again the European heavyweight in Spain. Yeah, that, 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 that sequence of results that you mentioned would um, lead Japan to qualify. If, if Japan win and Germany and Spain have a draw. All right. So maybe I think yeah. that would also eliminate Germany pretty much because Spain have a healthy goal difference with getting seven goals up yesterday. Yeah. It would be very difficult for Germany to overtake Spain if, if they only draw with Spain on Sunday. But then also we think about if Germany puts on a you know, a scoring spree against Costa Rica as well. But like seven goals is rare, like even in the FIFA World Cup. So who knows? Yeah, very true. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Ed, any last comments from you? And then we can pass to Colin. I think we, uh, we've been speaking for about 30 minutes and we can kind of wrap up soon. I think Japan should win uh, against Costa Rica. And I don't expect a 7-0 result, but I, I expect I do expect Japan to win. I think maybe two zero or three to one, something something in that range. I think just overall talent and speed and ability is is on Japan's side in this particular um, tournament. As far as Germany and Spain, uh, boy, that seems like kind of a toss up to me right there. Yeah, you got two recent World Cup winners. You got just the fierce rivalry. I I don't really know. I don't really have a prediction right now on that one. I can see it. I can see a draw happening. Mm. I think, yeah, because I just want Japan to pro- progress. Uh, I think a draw would be the best best case scenario for Japan. There's, um, statistically, after winning the first game in these fourteen groups, uh, if you win the first game, you've got seventy nine percent chance of finishing either first or second. Mm. Mm. All right. Um, so I guess. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up, Colin or Ed? Um, I was going to well ask if you guys have been watching much of the tournament so far. I know it's on at difficult times of the day or, or sort of through the night over in Japan, but have you have you managed to catch much of it? If you have, what have you uh, thought of things? Seen some highlights on mm-hmm. online, but I think we don't. Uh, well, I only get coverage through like local TV of Japan's. Japan's games so I can watch Japan's games but the other games just been watching highlights True. opening match was fun just to see the atmosphere you know the it's always the first day after four years four and a half years this time so yeah just to see what the vibe was like inside the stadium that was sort of an impression that I was curious to find out about yeah, there seems to be lots of hype around how much the, the event cost 
and there are so many rules and regulations made and people are not being paid. So it was interesting that there was a narrative on that. I It's unfortunate um, if it's all true um, that there was so much negativity around it. But I feel like, you know, it's <laughs> it's time to talk about the sport and let the sport speak for itself. Um, and things think the conversation around all the negativity has pretty much dissipated since the games have started. Yeah, the coverage over here, um, obviously the football coverage is front and centre. We can watch we can watch every game just on the regular TV channels. Um, the broadcasters here are um, keeping the narratives surrounding the, the negative aspects. Um, they're keeping that narrative going, so the, the coverage is... You know, eighty-five percent football, but they they usually talk about um, the issues of the day um, before and after each game. So mm. it's, I think, depending on where you're getting your coverage from, it's, it's probably going to remain as part of the tournament coverage. Yeah, Colin, is there is there a um, kind of a recurring theme in in Scotland in the coverage that um, the media? sort of looks at Argentina and looks at Messi as a cursed, you know, entity where maybe his career is cursed on the, on the national team level. Especially you look at what happened against Saudi Arabia and, you know, other missed chances in the past. Do, do they feel he's sort of doomed to never win the World Cup? Um, I don't think I don't think they feel he, he's doomed to never win. I mean, going into this, a lot of them did see Argentina as the favourites, um, coming off the back of winning Copa America last year and 36 game unbeaten run, etc. Obviously, that's gone now because they lost against Saudi Arabia the other day. I think more so than seeing them as Argentina jersey, they they actually they're just asking the question: Does his legacy need a World Cup win to yeah. complete his legacy? If you like, um, and that's a you know, we could probably talk about that for another half an hour. Um, so that that's that's mainly how they're looking at Messi in terms of the way he's fared with the national team. They they sort of more focus on the ability of the team overall. In the past, they've had some not very good teams. They've had some not very tactically aware managers, and Messi suffered as a result of that. Yeah, Messi. You kind of, and well, you kind of feel for him though, like. This is definitely something he he's probably um, thought about winning or dreamed about winning, and it happens like once every four years. He's, he's had lots of success in the club level, yeah. um, lots of personal achievements, um, team achievements. But I think to win something for your country, um, I think that's something special. But we'll, hopefully, oh, we'll see. Well, <laughs> you know, they're playing next. On Saturday, that's, that's a huge game. They need to win that game now. Um, them in Mexico have got a good rivalry. They they seem to play quite often in World Cups, so I'm looking forward to watching that game and and to seeing what Argentina and, and Messi specifically see what they can do. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of people's eyes are on Messi or like reading news about him and see how Argentina plays. So yeah, I think it's it's a good storyline as well. Okay, anyway, well, like Colin, thank you for your time in speaking with us today. We always appreciate your insight and sharing your wisdom. Um, 
like thanks to you, like we have like you know a, a real time voice, um, someone who's like into soccer, into the game, to the players, the strategy, all the details about the sport of football. Keep I say soccer, but let's say football. Yeah. Um, and all your 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 analysis, I think you've it's we've mentioned before. It's like straightforward and easy to understand that anybody can understand what you're trying to say before we wrap up do you have any announcements or anything you'd like to share with our listeners um just um if anyone is interested you could follow along at me on twitter i'm at mori1981 m-o-r-r-i-e-1981 um just i've managed to get a few days off from the day job so I have been able to watch quite a lot of the World Cup and I have been tweeting about it um, I'm going to be putting out articles on the Spitballing Pod website at the end of each match day just to sort of round up what's been happening over that sequence of games and uh, along with Ed on Sportslook I'll have some some more coverage coming on, on Sportslook as well um, towards the, the next part of the tournament which I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that and quickly, Ed, too, um, you, you put some articles out recently. You, you did you did a write-up on the J- Japan's win against Germany last night. And also FIFA, um, I guess is it World First, um, Yamashita, referee. Um, so Ed's putting a lot of um, good stories, not just on the games, but also around the experience and the event. Ed, do you have any announcements or anything you'd like to share with our listeners? I'd like to encourage people to uh, follow us on Sportslook at SportslookJP on Twitter and to share stories with friends and family, um, not not only just soccer and football, but other sports, figure skating, uh, baseball, sumo, events throughout the year. Uh, please check out the article on Yoshimi Yamashita, who talks about her role and her the honor that she feels to be a woman's role model, but also to sort of she she appreciates what people did in the past to build the, the officiating that led to give opportunities to people who were looking for work. And the level of officiating has improved over, over the decades. And, you know, she wanted to follow that as a career path. Also uh, coming up, um, yeah, I'd like to encourage people in a couple, in a week or two, yeah, but closer to two weeks to follow Colin's coverage on Sportslook, which will, one story, will sort of be a crystal ball looking ahead to the um, the knockout rounds <laughs> and sort of predicting predicting what will take place. I think that could be a fun piece to to read and analyze. Yeah, and him and I will be and him and I will be collaborating on a boxing uh, pro con why this guy will win, why that guy will win, sort of uh, taking one argument, one side of the coin uh, for the Paul Butler Nalia Inoue fight in mid December. So I'm looking forward to collaborating with you on that, Colin. Yes, I am too. Um, and just quickly to see after what we've seen this week, predicting the World Cup games. <laughs> just have to yeah, good luck. Good, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody knows anything, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. So please follow Colin and Ed on Twitter. Look out for the articles on their respective platforms. Um, both are contributors and writers for Sportsbook and Japan Ford. So, yeah, share the articles, read the articles, tell them, um, tell your family and friends about them. 
Um, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Follow us, Japan Forward, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel, and this Twitter space will be distributed on Spotify and Apple Music. So make sure you subscribe to that as well. At Japan Forward, we are looking for contributors and writers. Get in contact with us if you want to submit a written piece. If you have a take on the FIFA World Cup,、um, your experience, especially if it's something on the Japanese angle or Japan angle, please let us know. If you can translate English to Japanese or vice versa, or if there's any other skill set that you have that you think would add value to our vision, please don't hesitate to get in touch. We'll do this again short,、uh, hopefully next week. So keep an eye out on Twitter for the announcement. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Have a good morning or evening or wherever you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Visit our website for more information regarding our podcast and other news on Japan. Catch you next time.